This month on Double Times 5, we look at the world of folk horror, from the Wicker Man to Kill List. And we've got something to celebrate, but also a bombshell to drop. Ah! Welcome to the Double Times 5 New Year's Eve party! (laughs) We're celebrating 12 months, 12 episodes. We've made it through the first year of our podcast. So happy New Year, everyone! Yay! Yay. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Enough of that. Right. Um, (laughs) Everyone got their cocktails ready on the go? Oh yeah. Um, I'm a bit headachey today, so I'm on the herbal tea. Okay. Uh, God knows what's in this, so I might hallucinate. It's a a cocktail of herbs. Mm. What you got there, CJ? Uh, I've got the Hawaiian flavored cocktail that I got for Christmas, uh, and I'm drinking out of a giant parrot cup. Uh, which sadly listeners can't see because it's beautiful. Yeah, they can hear the ice in it, so but they can hear it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll live with that ice sound. See, it's party time. It's party time. Uh, right before we get into this month's theme, let's see what our horror highs and lows have been during the festive season. So we'll start with Sarah. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to come to me first. How exciting! Um, <laughs> my high is sort of a cheat because it's a film that's not out yet, but it's The Shape of Water, which I saw at a press screening. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Guillermo del-, del Toro's new one. I don't think I've really liked anything he's ever done. Really? Is is this <laughs> like to change my mind? Yeah. I shouldn't have thought so. I think you'll hate it. It's very okay. very um, sweet. <laughs> so you'll probably dislike it a lot it's a love story it's um uh a love story about two people obviously but also a love story to monsters and to classic cinema and the power of cinema to make people feel like they belong even when they're outsiders and it's all just very 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 sweet and um visually interesting and lovely a lot of people okay. are calling it his best what are you what are your thoughts uh, uh... I don't know. I I love pretty much everything he's ever done. So yeah, me too. <laughs> it's all just too uh, saccharine and sentimental, and all these strings he uses, and it's everything's like glossy and slick. Yeah, and, exactly. You will hate, you'll it, hate really. shape of water. <laughs> you'll hate <Okay>. it. Okay, <laughs> I'll give that a swerve. And your low? Um, it's weirdly hard to pick a low this month. I think. I feel like I'm I'm sort of kicking down too much. Um, something called Krampus Unleashed was pretty bad, but it was a budget supermarket Christmas horror so um, my expectations were not very high and yeah it was shit um, so I don't really have a lot to say about it it just was one of those you know cheap unimaginative boring cash in bollocks okay um, CJ well um, unfortunately because it's December most of the films that I watched were Christmas films uh, I enjoy watching the, the horror Hallmark. type no I like the Hallmark <laughs> channel Christmas films they they really do it for me so um, I didn't watch a lot of horror uh, I would say my highlight would have to be Santa's sleigh oh, I thought was... you were going to go for Snowmance <laughs> Snowmance was amazing but you weren't let me do non-horror highlights no, although Snowmance is a bit it's supernatural isn't it it's supernatural yeah. it's supernatural yeah I mean the toss up between that and um, a, a perfect Christmas where a mannequin comes to life Okay, in which case, scrap that, I'm going to say... <laughs> no, you haven't sent my, <laughs> my highlight was Snowman's. Yeah! <laughs> Made for TV Christmas movie about a woman who builds uh, a snowman every year 
and she's very whimsical about it and says, oh, this is my perfect man. He's going to sweep me off my feet and all this. Uh, and then one day, the snowman comes to life uh, in the form of this guy called Cole, uh, who is slightly creepy and strange. Uh, and she realises, actually, maybe a living snowman isn't the perfect man for her after all. <laughs> but it's a wonderful comedy. Very funny, very weird. Uh, I loved it. Very festive, but probably not one to watch until next December. It's not an actual snowman. It's it's a man. It's a man, but he it's becomes actually, a man, it's, but he is a snowman. Yeah, it's really really good costume design. Like they've made him look like he is a snowman, even though he's he's a it's a human. Like they've given him a coat that a real human wouldn't wear. Like with these just huge buttons <laughs> and he, just everything about him's a little bit off kilter, which is That's what makes terrifying. the film so much fun. It's oh, it is. It's, so it's quite weird. It's not yeah. like Keith and Jack Frost then. No, 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 nothing, no, no, no. That but there is an terrifying. amazing bit where he goes out to dinner with the girl and they have carrots on the plate and he really freaks out. It's yeah. He served his own that... nose. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just full of great little jokes ever. like that. I may have to watch that one. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Snowman's is my, my high. Um, okay. Which leads me to my low. I guess this is unfair because, full disclosure, I couldn't actually finish it, but the lure uh, was probably oh. my low. The Polish musical Mermaid movie, which just oh. bored the piss out of me. I just could not finish it. So good. I just oh, couldn't so think good. it. Almost. Nothing happened. For, I watched like about nearly an hour of it, and I was just like, "Life's too short. Nothing is happening. This is awful." Songs are good. The girls the are sexy. It's funny. It's it's weird and cute, and I really liked uh, it. I didn't think it was any of those things. I was just bored stiff. Sorry. So weird. I don't, you know, I don't know how you could be. It's a great film. Love the I just wanted a, a story. Would have been nice, but it didn't seem to have one. No, no, no. The story is that she wants a vag instead of a tail. <laughs> on the mermaids. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they say there's only seven movie plots? <laughs> I wasn't sure that was one of them. <laughs> the vag quest. The vag quest. <laughs> Uh, Richard my highlight is uh, also a Christmas movie called Better Watch Out uh, filmed as Safe Neighborhood I think was a working title I didn't love it but I like a lot of it Uh, and I think it's it's pretty solid I don't know if any of you have seen it yet yes no I I really wanted to but yeah it stars Levi Miller who no one saw in Pan you know Peter Pan and the siblings from uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. And it's about this guy, Levi Miller, 12-year-old kid, who's uh, being babysat by you know, a girl he has a crush on, and his plan is to you know, sleep with her uh, with help from his friend. And you know, things don't really turn out the way he or anyone wants them to. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a good story. I yeah. just felt that it, the, the, the villains weren't believable in any way. And that uh, harmed it for me. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I, I, yeah. We won't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a movie you can't, you can't really talk too much about because there's no. Uh, I, I can say there's a twist, and to say anything more, yeah, you're spoiling the movie. I just wish the villains were more like. Um, thing is, you can't you can't talk about it, and you can't yeah. say you, maybe you couldn't make the villains more like what I wanted them to be without completely destroying the whole point of the film. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the point for him to be that. Yeah. Way, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And your low? 
Uh, my low light is a movie I watched a couple of days ago, uh, ago uh, Creep 2, the sequel to okay. Creep. I, I didn't care for the first one, but I heard no. the second one was a home invasion movie, so I had to watch it, but whoever said that obviously lied, because there's no home invasion in it at all. <laughs> and I thought it was even worse than that. Well, I guess on par with the first one, which you know, wasn't very good. I, just, I couldn't get into it. I don't think it was very believable. Too much just you know sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> Isn't that every Mark Duplass film? Probably. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I keep accidentally getting them. and um, yeah. Anyone else seen Creep 2 yet? Oh, I saw Creep. That was enough. Yeah, I, fucking yeah. Awful, isn't it? I don't get the love for that at all. Yeah, I wasn't planning on watching the second one, but I guess someone tricked me into it. And... <laughs> <laughs> Emily... Um, well, festive highlight was an annual Christmassy rewatch of Gremlins. Yeah, um, highlight for two reasons. Number one, there's bits of it that terrified me as a child that still terrify me. Uh, not the bits that are actually meant to be scary, but just like the, the cocoons that the Mogwai turn into before they're Gremlins. For some reason, that really shit me up when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And for ages, I kind of slept kind of horizontally across my pillow because I was convinced they were in my bed. Wow. Um, which is sort of something I should really tiny. take. What the? You must the, have been a foot, a foot tall. Um, no, I wasn't a foot tall. I didn't sleep very well for quite a long time. How do you sleep horizontally across a pillow? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I did. Yeah, well, yeah, that would certainly explain some. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't put my feet in my bed for about a month. That's all I'm saying. Um, and um, the other good thing about watching it was it was on one of the Freeview channels at about six p.m. and they didn't cut anything which meant that there was all, all the microwave explosions, etc., were in there, and um, I watched it with my mum, who tutted all the way through, and then said nice. that was quite good, wasn't it? So who knows? <laughs> who knows what was going on there? And um, low light, I'm going to say this is a low light, but I actually quite liked it, was um, I managed to watch Wacko, which you guys were talking hey. about last month. Um, uh, sorry, I, sorry, this is, sorry, this is your highlight, yeah? No, well, it's, it's kind of a low light. I think it's the most... The most talked about film on this podcast. It right? certainly is, yeah. And I, I saw it on Amazon Prime and I was like, I pretty much have to watch this now. Um, I did enjoy it, but it made me feel really grubby. So um, kind of highlight <laughs> slash low light. <laughs> I, can, I can accept that. Right, well, we won't talk any more about Wacko, otherwise <sighs> CJ will never stop. Can I just pick um, Wacko for a theme one month and we just talk about Wacko? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Devil Times One that month. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners Times One. <laughs> uh, my low light is um, Seventh Moon, which um, mm. is the third film, I think, by Eduardo Sanchez, who one of the directors of Blair Witch Project. It's just about a couple who are on honeymoon in China, Hong Kong, in fact, and they get lost in, I think, mainland China. And there are some monsters that are exactly the same as the monsters from The Descent. You can hardly see anything that's going on. It's got not got a fucking speck of originality or anything interesting about it whatsoever. And it is shit. And then I found out it was on one of those um, Ghost House DVDs that you pick up in CX for like 50p or whatever. And I've always avoided them. And I watched this one without knowing that that's who released it. So, um, a little bit of trivia. I wrote Don't. the uh, the description on the back of the UK DVD. Did you? Yeah, Did the you text. Say, what a load of shit. 
No, I don't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't an opinion. It was the the synopsis. Uh, right. And what, what is your opinion? Oh, it's garbage. <laughs> it's a dreadful <laughs> film. But uh, yeah, um, I'm partially responsible for putting that one out in the world. So sorry. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my highlight, I, I didn't watch much that was that great for the first time this uh, this month, but uh, you can't go wrong with Street Trash, can you? <laughs> I, can, oh, I can watch Street, I can watch street Trash whenever I like and I'll, I'll just have a good time, you know, middle of a work disciplinary hearing or <laughs> someone's, someone's funeral. I'll just put Street Trash on a whale of a time. <laughs> and the, the only... <laughs> The only bad thing about it, I think, is that um, Tony Darrow, who plays that kind of mafia gangster, and James Lorenz, who plays his hapless assistant, um, never got a spin-off sitcom. Cause I, <laughs> I, They're the best I characters in a movie. Watch the shit out of that. Oh, yeah. Street Trash fans? Oh, big time, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Especially the banter between uh, those two guys and, and yeah. the ending. So good. Okay, those were our highs and lows. Now we're going to take a long walk through the English countryside, through fields of fear, parishes of paganism, and worlds of Wicca. With 24 years' experience, World of Wicker is the number one cane specialist in the Northwest. Open daily, visit the biggest and the best. You won't be disappointed. And indeed, our first feature this month. Here's Robin Hardy's 1973 classic, The Wicker Man. I am here to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. Where is Rowan Morrison? If Rowan Morrison existed, we would know of him. I suspect murder. Sergeant, I've already tried. In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you? That can stand by and see your own child slaughtered? You are the fool, Mr. Hardy. Liars. You are despicable little liars. Dear God in heaven, even these people can't be that mad. Where is Rowan Morrison? If Rowan Morrison existed, we would know. I suspect Manda. She was burnt. You are the fool, Mr. Where is Rowan Morrison? Oh my God! An uptight Scottish police sergeant is asked to investigate the disappearance of a girl on a nearby pagan island, but when he gets there, he encounters a conspiracy of silence. Um, I don't think there's any way we're going to be able to talk about this film without spoilers. So you know. It came out in 73, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should know what happens in it by now. Um, who l- absolutely loves The Wicker Man? I do. Oh, I, I, Everyone. I do well. Everyone. <laughs> My favourite yeah. film. Yeah, it's yeah, it's right up there. It's in my top five. Mm. So good, and I think I think it's almost entirely down to Edward Woodward. He's so good. Mm, he's, he's fantastic. Amazing. He carries that movie. Mm. Yeah, it's not all about him though. But yeah, he... no, no. I mean, it, I think it's just one of those movies where everything just fell into place so perfectly. And the more you read about it and how much was accidental, it's quite spooky. But at the same time, like it just works. It's perfect. Um, and yeah, Woodward is incredible he just that oh the final scene mm. you really really believe his uh, horror <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's amazing i mean he's really believable character he's mm. he, you believe that he's upset about everything you believe mm. that he is incredibly sexually frustrated incredibly pious um and you get his frustration from like the lack of answers and just the whole yeah yeah and his absolute conviction with his faith as well. 
yeah. even at the end when it's he's he's obviously terrified and he's going to die he's still kind of using it as it's kind of something that he always clings on to do you think he actually comes in his pants when willow is um taunting him through the wall yes i think he does i was actually I mean, obviously uh, you don't see it but no but there's a moment where he kind of goes oof and you're like yeah that's that's he's, <laughs> yeah. he's ruined his nice pajamas i wasn't even thinking about that yeah i, I, I don't think i ever had so many times i've never never thought of that Maybe it's an extra Weird. nuance that you get if you watch like the sort of final final edition. Oh, I've got, yeah, I've got the steelbook. <laughs> Only on the blue edge. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to watch it again now, just to wait for when he goes. <laughs> it is. It's more subtle than that. He's a very subtle actor, yeah. but it's definitely there. <laughs> lights a cigarette. <laughs> oh, by the way, Britt Eklund, who plays Willow, uh, do you know who dubbed her? Uh, no. So, somewhat, someone that we mentioned in episode one of this podcast back in January. Annie Ross from Witchery. Wow. Yeah. Cool. The woman who gets her mouth sewn up in Witchery. Oh, uh, fucking Witchery. Brit Eklund. Um, yeah. yeah, I know you hate Witcheries. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> What's your favourite bit in The Wicker Man? The ending, obviously. Yeah. I think the songs for me. The, the music is what really makes it for me like every song that is sung in the wicker man i think it's just a, an incredible scene like you know when mm. the, the when the locals are singing gently johnny i think that's a really just haunting and brilliant scene and uh if he turned it up in a pub i was drinking at and started that fucking tedious <laughs> shit <then> I'd, <laughs> I'd go drink somewhere else I quite like the landlord's daughter song because yeah. Um, yeah, Willow's yeah, yeah, actually brilliant. there going, "Yeah, it's true. I'm a strumpet. Ha ha! Brilliant." Yeah, yeah. And it's great, great to see uh, Lindsay Kemp as the landlord as well because I don't think he's ever had a speaking role in a film apart from no. that. No, um, mm. so that was that was brilliant. Yeah, he's good. I like Aubrey Morris who plays the gardener as well. He turns up in. He's uh, Deltoid in Clockwork Orange. Really loving mm. that, and he's great in in The Wicker Man. I mean, have you seen the Ballad of Tam Lin? Which yeah. is also also has some folk songs on the sound, psychedelic folk songs kind of thing, but they're shit. They're fuck awful. <laughs> and the songs in The Wicker Man actually kind of work. They're just mm. that bit. They're really good. They're really it? good folk songs reworked in a nice 70s acid style. It's nice. Mm. There is the moment in the chase at the end where you get a bit of full on prog guitar, which is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which shouldn't work, but it really does. Kind of weird. Yeah. Guilty pleasure, a little bit of prog guitar. You know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a song called The Tinker of Rye, which is the one that Lord Samurai, Christopher Lee, is um, doing as a duet with uh, Diane Cle- Cleanto. Can't remember who she plays, but they are terrible singers, both of them. What? It's amazing that Christopher, Christopher Lee's incredible. Christopher Lee was an opera singer. It's great. That was a really good impression. He did um, a metal <laughs> album as well. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know Charlemagne. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. I, I could listen to him sing all day. I mean, maybe he's deliberately singing out of tune because he's drunk or whatever. Yeah. I think he sings it really well. <laughs> For some reason, I've written down the salmon of knowledge would be a great costume idea. So presumably, someone mentions a salmon of knowledge. At some uh, someone point. is dressed as the salmon of knowledge. Salmon, it's yeah. the it's the fisherman. Yeah. You have this weird bit that's a little bit like a documentary where you have people kind of like demonstrating their costumes, and um, mm. one guy is the salmon of knowledge, the Celtic symbol. So he's he's a giant fish. It is a good costume. Yeah. yeah. It's the best costume, I think. It's very good, yeah. He I should don't have know. There's quite a lot of good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, whole parade where everyone's dressed up, 
um, is really good for a bit of suspense because you don't you you feel like um, Sergeant Howie might get killed at some point, but mm. it's all mm. these opportunities along the way. So it's like the bit where he, the six swordsmen chopping oh. off heads and yeah. them, there's someone walking around with a shiny knife and that sequence when uh, she is you know presumably beheaded is really good. You know, the shock in his face and it turns to the the sun. Yeah, mm. and, uh, it's kind of quiet for a few seconds before it's really re- reveal that you know she wasn't indeed beheaded. That's that's a really and, great sequence. And earlier on than that, I'd really like the just the whole sequence of um, how the scenes play out. That bit where uh, how he's going around the town investigating and talking to all of these different people mm. um, in all their different workplaces. It just works so well. It's, uh, yeah. it's such a yeah. If it feels like it's, a real place, you can really yeah. believe somewhere else, uh, which for such a strange setting is, is impressive. Mm. I love that there's something off about everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something not quite right there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. That's what I love about this and these kinds of movies, like the, our second feature. Like, you know, something's off and something you know, bad is going to happen. But you really don't know why. You're just kind of waiting for it. And... Mm-hmm. But I love when you when you watch The Wicker Man again, knowing how it ends, you can see each step and each bad mm. decision that he makes. And, and I just love that because sometimes that, that doesn't always work. But every every step of the way, he's he's falling into their trap. And it's just so clever because you don't really feel like he is when you watch it for the first time. But then you, you kind of realise, oh, my God, like literally everything he's done they've they've predicted even though he you know you think he's in control and i, I love that as a as a plot technique uh, for yeah. horror. it works works really well on rewatches slightly mm. differently but still yeah. yeah yeah sarah you don't generally like films from the 70s i don't this is like one of two three exceptions <laughs> <laughs> what is it that makes it so um, it's just weird, isn't it? Like, I don't think you can say that this is particularly like any other film. So I don't mm. feel like it particularly mm. feels like a 70s film. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's certainly the first musical we've done as a feature. <laughs> mm. ah, are we doing horror musicals at some point? We could mm. do, yeah. Should do. Should we talk about the remake? No, I mean, it's just the, the original Wicker Man is just such a one-off. It's just absolutely the definition of lightning in a bottle. It's all these weird, all these mm. elements like... Um, CJ was saying about um, the stories you hear about it being made and so on. It's it's just, yeah. There's no there's only one Wicker Man. Yeah. Except there well, isn't, isn't is because there? there's a there there's isn't. a mm, well, well. The yeah. Wicker Man 2006. It took me until 2017 <laughs> to want to watch this, mm. and all because we're covering. <laughs> I, I I actually watched it when it when it came out, um, and then. I, I obviously despised it on, on every conceivable level, and then started to watch that stupid YouTube compilation of the highlights. Mm. It's like a, se- a seven-minute video of just Nicolas Cage shouting. It's shouting and, that, and punching, that's it. Yeah, yeah shouting and punching, yeah. And that yeah. actually convinced me to watch the fucking thing again, because I thought, mm. oh, maybe if I watch it as a comedy, I'll like it. But no, watching it a second time, it was every bit as loathsome as the first time. Mm. The only way to get any enjoyment out of this is to watch seven minutes of it very carefully edited by somebody who wasn't involved with the film mm. uh, because this is a wretched wretched exercise in misogyny and there's very little else to it mm. i didn't mind it well <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for that yeah obviously it's not it's not a great film it's not anywhere in the same league as the original and it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the original but <laughs> If for some reason all 
copies of the original got destroyed and all you were left with was the 2006 version. At the very least, you'd have the same story, and it's a good no, story. No, you wouldn't. You would not have no, anything like the same story. story. It's not even close. It's the same like, story. No, well, it's, no, it's, not. it's not as good because obviously it's Nicholas Cage's character gibberish. doesn't no, have all the. There's no meaning to it. He's not a Christian. He's not the Virgin. But but the whole the whole kind of ruins everything. Like the Wicker Man is like a it's like a ritual. The whole film is like a a pagan ritual. Every step, everything that he does, there is meaning to it that has occult significance, symbolic significance, none of that is in the Wicker Man remake. It is just Nicolas Cage goes to an island, he punches some women, he, he gets covered in bees. It's, it's all meaningless. There's, 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 no, there's no point to it. It's literally full of symbols that don't mean anything, that one. There's mm. a whole twins thing that means nothing. There's yeah. just... There's that bit where um, he says, like, the plot thickens and someone goes, didn't know you had a plot. It's like, that is that fucking film. <laughs> One shining moment of self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. So bad. Was it meant to be bad? No, I think ha- no. having watched... Having I don't watched think a couple so. Of, uh, Just that Neil Labute's a moron. Yeah, Neil Labute is a horrible, horrible writer. Mm. All of his plays, films that I've come across, they're all really deeply rooted in this, like pathological hatred of women and I yeah they I might as well understand. all be called I hate girls by Neil yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean the first, first time I come across him was in the company of men which that's that's about toxic masculinity surely uh-huh. is it about toxic masculinity or is he just toxic as fuck yeah maybe, maybe. I mean there there is a scene where where Nicolas Cage kickboxes a teenage girl in the face so yeah <laughs> and that's what I mean is that meant to be funny yeah I, I genuinely don't think so even even though he's wearing a bear suit at the time but again what's the significance of the bear suit Where, whereas in the wicker man all the costumes have significance i'd started trying to listen to the commentary and it did not help in any way apart from to cement my view that they're idiots one of the first things on the director's commentary is when he takes the boat uh and he takes it, it's a ferry uh and on the commentary you've got two guys and they're, they're both american and i think neil the boots says something like oh we had we had him take the ferry and the other guy goes what, what? you took a ferry <laughs> and it like fairy and, and it sort of descends into this like homophobic banter and it's like wow everything i thought about you guys being dicks yeah you are absolutely moronic idiots and it's a terrible film cage is always worth watching though yeah. No, that's yeah. not true either. Not always. I've watched an awful lot of shitty, shitty Nicolas Cage films. He's one of those actors who always, you get the impression, he's looked at his role and he's thought, right, how would my character talk? How would my character walk? And, I mean, the answer is always the same. It's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be like this, I'm going to work a bit like this. And, but, um, but, you know, at least he tries. I think that the, the Wicker Man 2006 would be a lot worse if it wasn't for Nicolas Cage. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, necessarily that means... mean that his performance is good, but it's, yeah. I mean, I, I very much like... enjoy the how did, get, how did it get burned scene with the doll. <sighs> I mean, that's just, I really that's hope... Classic. So. Yeah, I really yeah. hope somebody somewhere has done that as their audition speech for drama school. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful. Nicholas Cage makes it worth watching at least once. I've seen it twice. It's, it's mm. worth watching the seven-minute Nicholas Cage highlight reel, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's that is Agreed. all you want out of this. Film. That is pretty much all you need to to see. Yeah, but bear in mind okay. there's another ninety plus minutes of Neil the Boots crap in there. So mm. <laughs> just stick with the seven-minute YouTube cut, and you're you're done. Okay, here's a question. 
Is the Wicker Man remake better or worse than the Wicker Man sequel, The Wicker Tree? Ah, now this is awkward because I saw The Wicker Tree for the first time yesterday, having avoided Mm -hmm. it for a really, really long time, and now I'm not sure. Yeah, it is bad. (laughs) It is bad. It's a difficult question because The Wicker Man remake is a terrible film ideologically and and just awful, whereas it is technically vaguely competent, whereas The Wicker Tree is not really a film like no. it's it's a disaster mm. so I mean, they're, they're bad in different ways but this well, is just I, like I felt sorry for um, Robin Hardy watching that because um, I, I believe when directed he, it yeah I know when he wrote it and he really believed in it and he really thought it was mm. good like he yeah. I didn't I wasn't there at the time but he he showed it at Fright Fest I think and he was he was talking about how he he, he passionately believed wanted this story to be told but then apparently later on, people said to him, do you think this was on a par with the original Wicker Man? And he just huh? went, uh, no. So, <laughs> he was just trying I mean, to... I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, Robin Hardy is not a great director. And I think the more you, again, the more you read about the Wicker Man, the more you find that it was kind of fluky. And if you look mm. at his body of work, it's not exactly full of sparkling classics. And I think the Wicker Tree mm. was a late career last ditch attempt uh, oh oh can i can i make a comeback can i do something mm. i mean bear in mind it wasn't even his story to begin with that's uh, true so he's just had a crack at it and it's a bit embarrassing and it's a bit like oh god this is a home movie and if it was anyone other than robin hardy it would never have got released mm. he had uh, trouble uh, getting it released i think and initially well, he couldn't yeah. get funding so he he wrote it as well, yeah, he did bring it out as a novel, which yeah, I haven't wasn't read. it called Cow- Cowboys for Christ? That's the, right, yeah, I think yeah. Which, and again, the, fir- just... the film was originally going to star Christopher Lee and Joan Collins. Mm, yes, yeah. I heard that. Christopher Lee hurt his back, and so he he dropped out, and because they replaced him with a younger actor, mm. Joan Collins was no good for that role. So, you know, this could have been your favourite Joan Collins film, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly unlikely. Uh, it's, it's Britannia Nicole. I really, really feel sorry for. She's the plays the um, country music star who gets you know coaxed into the into all the trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you look at her Twitter, it's so sad. May 2010, um, which was uh, you know shortly before the film came out, haven't been on Twitter in 11 months. I'm going to see a screening of the film on Friday. Hope it's good. <laughs> and then she didn't tweet again for over two years oh, and then no. she, by which time she was living back back living in in america just tweeted about the weather and she hasn't tweeted since so i have a oh. feeling like she was all excited about starring in this you know big high profile film and then uh, she saw the screening and was like well that's that fucked then isn't it well that's tragic <laughs> it is tragic because she seems really nice oh has she been in anything since nope uh, that was the end of that was the beginning and end of her acting career. Oh dear, it's sad. It is sad. So, oh. I, I would much rather watch the remake than the, I think it's way more. Fun. Yeah, less. I don't know. Annoying. I thought I thought the Wicker Tree was all right the first time I watched it. Then when I rewatched it for this, I, I don't know what the fuck I must have been thinking because it's a total car crash of a film. It's mm. Terrible. Yeah, it's mm. awful. All right, folk horror is quite a hard subgenre to define. But Emily, you pick the theme. So, what does folk horror mean to you? Um, I think I pick folk horror just because I always quite like the idea of there being something um, mysterious. The, the whole idea of reality with kind of stuff that's a bit off behind it, 
or just the idea of spooky things in the woods or the idea that you could dig up a monster whilst ploughing a field kind of thing. Um, but in terms of exactly how you define folk horror, that I'm not really sure. I just know that if something's called folk horror, the chances are that I will probably really, really like it, unless it's The Wicker Tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the more films I... Because I, um, I'd seen a lot of the films for this month before, so it was, it was a rewatch, and the, I was sort of thinking what kind of links these films. And it's... It's hard because the original kind of like the 70s ones, the big three, so The Wicker Man, Witchfinder General and Blood on Satan's Claw, you can kind of go, yeah, there's thematic links there. But then the more you sort of look at other stuff that could be seen as folk horror, the more it kind of branches off in different directions. So uh, basically folk horror is stuff what I like. Or um, <laughs> conversation I had with a friend last night, we're like, what are the defining tropes of folk horror? And we came up with... Um, burning torches things being dug up out of the ground and nudity so um mm. which Sounds that's <laughs> yeah um and also folklore too yeah blood on satan's claw is one with uh, stuff being dug up out of the ground isn't it yeah yeah and also yeah. lair of the white worm and, <laughs> and and a field in england yes should we talk about the early ones first so mm -hmm. blood on satan's claw if you want um i really loved this film the first time i saw it it doesn't really stand up to rewatches, unfortunately. I found that as well. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's you, you can kind of I I like how sort of gentle the music is in comparison to all the horrible stuff that's going on. I hate um, that score so much. <laughs> it is quite repetitive. It's like we've got one really good piece, and we've or maybe they only had the flautist for like one day of the recording, and they're like shit, we're gonna have to just keep playing that did, flute did music they get over and over the again. The same flautist who played on Groove is in the Heart by Delight. Because I wondered half about that, that soundtrack yeah. is just <laughs> that's a swanny whistle. <laughs> I don't know Would Blood on Satan's Claw have been different with a swanny whistle? That's the question. Yeah, every creepy scene sounds like the Sorcerer's Apprentice with all that sort of jangly, whimsical. I, I quite like that though in a way because it sort of makes it feel a little bit more kind of like a an evil ladybird book if that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> a book about an evil ladybird that's a nice way of looking at it I like that uh, that's, a, that's, that's another folk horror definition I should make a list of these <laughs> oh, yeah. um, no, that's, that's probably the best definition I've heard actually yeah that's, that's not, not a book about a fake ladybird no no yeah. that, that's a book about a fake evil ladybird. Peter is digging in the garden. Peter digs up <laughs> <laughs> a weird monstrous skeleton. Mm, Peter has been abducted by a weird snake lady. Yeah. <laughs> Peter is now late for Boy Scouts. Yeah. Oh, there's the white worm. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think he was about 30 years too late for Boy Scouts, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> I love Lair of the White Worm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I, I've always loved it. It's it's Ken Russell on full turned up to eleven mode. Yeah. It's got Peter Capaldi playing bagpipes. It's got Hugh Grant actually being watchable for once. Mm. <laughs> it's got it's, it's got Hugh Grant having a dream about having a <laughs> about being on a plane with the two sexiest ish uh, cabin crew ever and having a biro erection. Yeah, over his crossword that turns into a picture of a snake. It's it's got nuns being raped with strap-ons, or it, is that what happens? Or, uh, <laughs> yes, that is what happens. There's definitely strap-ons. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. It is. I, 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 
I don't like the two girls who play the lead. They're irritating as fuck. They are, and, and they don't quite know what accent to do. So it's like I, I um, think they're both dubbed. And one of them was in Dynasty, was it? Oh right, yeah. Catherine um, Oxenberg. Mm. But they're dubbed with kind of accents that go. They're sort of like, oh, we don't. Whoever was doing the dubbing was like, we don't know what people from Derbyshire sound like. Let's make them slightly Yorkshire, but add a bit of Somerset at the end of every other sentence. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Catherine Oxenberg is the daughter of Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. So wow. she probably doesn't speak like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, she was in Dynasty for two or three years. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. But like, if you were going to go to the trouble of dubbing them, why would you dub them with those voices? It's just a bizarre choice. <laughs> but on the other hand, it does contribute to the whole sort of off-kilter, something's not quite mm. right feel mm. of the thing, Maybe. I think. Maybe. That's generous, I think. You didn't like it, but it's from the 80s, so... I know. You were never going to like it, were <laughs> no. you? No. I think, like, every scene that Amanda Donoghue's in is amazing. And yeah, I liked her. She was good. Like... Oh, good. Yeah. The rest of it doesn't quite live up to, to that. It's like, as soon as she goes off screen, you're like, oh, come back. <laughs> I don't know. She's so good in it. And it's got a song. It's got a folk song in it as well, which is obviously That's, a mm, trope for this kind oh, of thing. A bit of, a, bit of a folk rock song at the beginning. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very 80s folk yeah. rock song. It's very, very 80s. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the levelers, really, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm, <laughs> 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 not quite. <laughs> I'm tempted to go on Wikipedia and do an edit to say that that was the levelers. <laughs> <laughs> and that was their first gig. <laughs> uh, where should we go from Lair of the White Worm? Backwards or forwards? Should we go back to the 60s for a bit? Robin Redbreast, which is actually a sort of TV film. Uh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, oh, that was yeah. really I like good. That. I, I like that. Yeah. It was quite yeah. good. It was genuinely really disturbing as well. There was a lot of really freaky stuff implied towards the end and not actually seen. I was surprised by how good it was and how downbeat as well. Mm. It's Very sick. Uh, actually, was it? Oh, it's ni- 1970, was it? I think. And you can tell because there's a Dutch cap in it. Yes, that's, that's the main right. thing that marks it out as a 70s film. Mm. There's a what in it? Um, a Dutch cap. What's that? <laughs> you, know, you were born in the eighties. I feel like I'm like uh, an idiot. What? It's what a contraceptive device. It's a, it's a, it's a weird contraceptive cap that goes device. Missing. It okay. looks like one of those things you can throw against the wall, and it'll just stick there and then start sliding <laughs> down. <laughs> oh God! All right, great. And maybe sometimes it was. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's horrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a. Ah, <laughs> uh, grim, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, don't have nightmares. Um, yeah, I thought Robin Redbreast was really good for the sort of the kind of primal fear that's kind of conjured up there, and also there's a twist that I didn't see coming at the end. So, yeah, the misdirection's really nice in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think um, it's really weird to think of stuff like that being on TV and not just mm. being on TV where no one would watch it because they've got 100 channels to choose from, but being on TV when there was, what, like two, three channels max? Yeah. So most of the nation would probably have switched on and just mm. casually watch that. And I just, I love that thought. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those play for today things were wonderful yeah, for that reason. Yeah, amazing ones. It was originally broadcast in colour, but you can only see it in black and white now, which is... Mm, that's sad. weird. Mm, that's weird. Mm. Mm. Well, they're just lost, you know, they're taped over the original. Mm. And 
in that way that the BBC always used to do. Mm. I always used and, to do that as well. I'd tape a really good film and then I'd accidentally tape over it with like the chart show or something. So it'd start off and be a really good film and then it'd be like Rick Astley or something. <laughs> Actual Rick rolling, that'd be amazing. VHS <laughs> <laughs> Rick rolling. <laughs> I accidentally taped over my first TV appearance with um, Jaws. <laughs> oh, no. oh dear. Uh, but you know, it's not. I was I was I was singing in a choir with Gareth Hunt, the uh, shaky hand coffee man. What? <laughs> I have no idea. Really. <laughs> anyone does it? In shaky I have hand no idea man. what you're talking about either. Sorry. Gareth Hunt. Uh, it was a actor who used to do this advert for Nescafe or something, and he'd. Um, Oh, uh, he did have, have a handful of beans. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be his, yeah. the coffee yeah. wanking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that ad. Surely, Shaky Hand Coffee Man should have been a, a horror movie with Gareth. <laughs> Folk horror. <laughs> yeah. Just his hand that comes up out of the ground and makes it a gesture. <laughs> I started off watching these folk horrors for this thinking, no, I don't really, that's not really my sort of thing. But I, mm. another one I enjoyed was The Witches or The Devil's oh, Own. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Really, Joan Fontaine, really good. she's really good at that. Um, there's there's the prologue where she's in Africa in, mm. <laughs> in that <laughs> special <laughs> colonial era way. She went to Africa, it's a bit weird there. Yeah. Um, all of it. The whole lot of Africa, you want to stay away. And she's like, no, you must stay. And the African guys are like, you know what? Scary stuff's happening. No. Yeah. <laughs> one of those, best, I'm English. One of those guys is played by Rudolph Walker, who, um, you know, he's now in EastEnders mm. and was in, what was it called? Mind your, mind your not mind your language, um, Love Thy Neighbour. Mm. The other uh, one of those African guys. Okay. The other one of those African guys. Wait, 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 wait. That's Rudolph Walker, the, the guy from the Thin Blue Line. Gladstone. Uh, Thin Blue Line. Yeah. Was in Thin Blue Line. The Ryan Atkinson, Ben Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Oh, I yeah. did not know he was in The Witches. I'm going to have to watch it again, though. Yeah, he's not credited. Um, the other guy, it's him and... <laughs> the only reason I'm mentioning it is because the other guy's name is Willie Payne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. He should have been in Lair, Lair of the White Worm, really, shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's also good to see Michelle Dutrice, uh from, uh, well, from um, Blood on Satan's Claw, as well as, of course, some mothers do have them, more, more impressively. <laughs> and Len- Leonard Rossiter in that film, too. Anyone else want to talk about any other particular ones from the olden days? Uh, Pender's Fen is an interesting one. Mm. Yeah, I haven't, if you guys have haven't seen, seen that. that. That's a really yeah. strange one. It's very, very strange. And again, it's kind of like, how the hell did this go out on the telly? Yeah. Um, but there's there's all sorts of stuff to do with um, kind of English identity but the, and sexuality and the class system. And there's also a bit where there's a massive golden angel for no reason. Um, but it's it's the kind of thing that's that's done. It's quite sort of po-faced and quite pretentious, but somehow or other, it works. That makes yeah. sense. Is that the it's, Alan Clark? That's the one. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Alan Clark doing. Yeah, it's it's worth seeking out. It's really interesting. Yeah, I totally get what you mean about it sort of being a bit pretentious in that it is almost ostentatious in how kind of outwardly intellectual it is, mm. uh, and yet there is something that's just quite unsettling about it despite all of that like it, mm. it's obviously one of those kind of early 70s bbc things where it was a bunch of intellectuals making dramas mm. but 
I don't know. There is something that really. The first time I watched it, it really got under my skin. Um, mm. I saw like this really crappy VHS bootleg of it, uh, which I think probably helped make it mm. feel eerier. Um, I think watching it on that lovely BFI DVD of it maybe lessened it a little. Mm. Uh, yeah, the first time I, really... I saw it was a dodgy YouTube, so it was probably a rip of the yeah. dodgy VHS. But yeah, yeah, there's some images that really stick with you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that feeling that it's beaming from somewhere else <laughs> mm. rather than just being on a nice pristine DVD, uh, I think helped with that one. Yeah. We could look further afield from kind of England and the UK to other ones around the world. Does V count? V. Yes, yes I, so I would say v. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's weird. Yeah, V, 1967. <laughs> that's very, very weird. I haven't yeah. seen the big the big budget remake, which was sort Don't. of 2004. No, 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 well, no, really, no. yeah. But no, I started watching it. Um, unfortunately, the copy I had was... Uh, you ever seen a Russian dub of a film? They, yeah. They mm. they just speak the lines over the top of the soundtrack and it's really right. annoying. It's really and, most, and at least half the dialogue in the V 2014 is in English because it's about an English explorer mm. and it is not a remake of the 1967 thing. It is yeah. just a kind of using that as a jumping off point mm. to a kind of fantasy adventure. So don't bother with that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but, but the original V. That's worth anybody's time just for the ending. Mm. Which oh, is the last five of, minutes are one incredible. of the most bonkers endings I've ever seen in anything. Like it just goes from naught to a million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insane ending, which I won't spoil. Yeah, no, I like, I like how all the makeup's done, so it all looks as if it's in black and white. Mm. But it's not. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It looks black and white because of the yeah the makeup effects. The the effort that went into it is incredible, especially considering it was kind of uncharted territory for Russia at the time. You know, they hadn't done any horror films like that. And mm. um, yeah, they certainly went all out. It's your standard folk tale where somebody has to ultimately end up staying vigil over the body of a beautiful young woman who turns out to be the witch that he encounters at the beginning. Yeah. And at the end it goes mental and there's demons. Something about three yeah. nights, right? Yeah, yeah. he has to spend yes. three nights watching over the coffin. What's that Japanese anthology movie we talked about? Quiden. Quiden, Quiden. yeah. Quiden. Yeah, there's a similar story in that, isn't there? The one with the, the samurais who get killed, or one of them gets killed. Mm. It's similar, similar to that. Yeah. But another Japanese one is Onibaba. Yeah, it's strange. When you talk about folk horror and you get into films like this, I feel like we're, we're basically covering films that could, could appear in so many other... Yeah, this is is one of the problems with folk horror. There's a massive crossover with a lot of things. It is broad. But, I mean, Alibaba is astonishing. Like, definitely one of my favourite films. Um, Really powerful. Mm. And, and, yeah, I think it falls under the folk horror can. It's certainly got fields. Lots of fields, lots of crops. Mm. uh, The shots of the crops with the really tall plants and everything are just incredible. Yeah, breathtaking. Got got folklore with, like, you know, the mask that... um, Gets stuck yeah. to the face. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't wear it and stuff. Much like in demons. Demons folk horror as well, is it? <laughs> Maybe in a hundred years' time, people will look at demons and say that it is folk horror because going to the cinema is something that was done in folk tales. You know? Yeah, that's a point. <laughs> that this yeah. be about as remote as being asked to spend the night in a in a spooky barn with witches. Yeah. <laughs> And they went to this place and ate popcorn. Why? We don't know. <laughs> it was this weird old ritual. Demons does kind of have a kind of urban legend 
um, aspect to the story, doesn't it? That, yes. That a lot of folk horror does, I suppose. And, mm. and I think not enough folk horror films have a helicopter come through the ceiling. Like, <laughs> most of them should end that way. I really would have liked it if Blood on Satan's Claw had ended up with like that. You know, in a sort of Monty Python style where suddenly something brings it back to the present day. There's suddenly there's a helicopter and everything's fine. <laughs> and uh, more recently, in this century, there are a few. Has anyone seen Puffball, for example, from Ireland? No. Yeah. no. It's, about some, it's, it's about some spunk. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, add that to my watch list. Add that to the um, spunk. Add that to the folk horror chain. Evil Ladybird books some spunk. <laughs> I'm sort of looking this film up now because I don't believe anything Cliff says. Go on, Karen. You don't believe anything I say. <laughs> like, I no. don't think there's much of a subgenre of like spunk horror. God, it really is about spunk. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That's probably the most favourable review that movie ever got. Have you of, <laughs> are you aware of the puffball uh, toadstool? I guess it might be a mushroom when it pollinates. I guess it does with that kind of spunky thing. Yeah, like that. It's been ages since I've seen puffball, but I'm pretty sure it's got a, a sexual penetration shot shot from inside a vagina where you can see the cock go. Same as a puffball toadstool. Holy shit! And, uh, it was Nicholas Rogue that directed that, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was Rogue. Nicholas Rogue. Uh, Faye Weldon wrote it. Miranda Richards. He does love it. a weird sex scene, does Nicholas Rogue? So wow. that's yeah. not what I expected when you said this is a film about spunk. <laughs> <laughs> what to find out it was a film about spunk? Well, no, no, but it was an oh, intellectual no, film about spunk. It was a very. I assume that that was a joke. Not, not. It was actually a film about spunk. <laughs> and before we move on to our second feature we should probably mention um, because we're doing Kill List by Ben Wheatley we should mention his other folk horror film which is The Field in England mm. which I love I absolutely I hate... love it, it's so good oh, hated it passionately I think it is so by far the worst Ben Wheatley film it divides people but uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm in the, very much in the pro camp it's fantastic <clears throat> yeah it's weird it's funny it's got an amazing um trippy freak out sequence mm. that really gives you a speaker system a workout um it it's, it's rare that you see a film that isn't one of gaspar noe's where they actually have to put uh epilepsy warning at the start mm. <laughs> which i'm i'm a fan of um i don't know i, I love it I, I i thought ben wheatley could do no wrong really until you know, High Rise and Free Fire come out. Oh, I still uh, think he can do no wrong. Love Free Fire. I loved High Rise. Yeah, I liked High Rise. Maybe. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not his best, but it's, it's got something about it. His best is obviously Sightseers. Yeah, Sightseers. Oh, yes. Sightseers yeah. is fab. Agreed, yes. agreed, agreed. Yeah. Well, let's move on to it then. Um, our second feature, which is Ben Wheatley's breakthrough movie from 2011, Kill List. And this trailer doesn't have any dialogue, so you'll just have to use your imagination. Yes. But I might do a bit of an audio description on the trailer. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's like a vertical line being drawn. The horizontal line. So Across. Right. It's a diagonal line on the left. It really hurt my ear. Another diagonal line on the right. So it's like uh, across on the tent. Oh, that is circle. Good trailer. Uh, a hitman and his colleagues. Short. <laughs> a, Must have been a teaser. 
It was, yeah. <laughs> but but the, the main trailer doesn't have any dialogue either. No. A hitman and his colleague accept a job to kill some absolute scumbags, but the unusual reactions of their victims suggest that something really weird is going on. So, Emily, you chose this. I, I chose this because it's it's one of those films that I've got real proper sort of ambivalent feelings about it, as in I really like it, but there's also bits of it that make me go, ah, what? why did that happen? And also, the first time I saw it, it really, really disturbed me in a way that films quite often don't. So it took me the best part of a month to psych myself up to re-watch it uh, for this. But I just think it's interesting in the way that um, Ben Wheatley is kind of an... Uh, whether he, he does it successfully or not, but sometimes it doesn't always quite work, but it's, I think his films are always interesting, is um, creating a world where you end up with so many questions at the end that kind of coming up with theories as to what's actually going on becomes, well, as I suppose with all films, but becomes part of the experience. There's so much kind of ambiguity there. So I quite like it because it's a film that starts that starts arguments, starts discussion, as in who was in on it here, who wasn't in on it, we don't know. Um, and re-watching it, I wasn't as scared as last time, so that was good. But um, there's something that really got to me about how kind of nihilistic it is, or one reading of it is, anyway. Um, and I just like the fact that it kind of, it takes the direct, whether it does it successfully is another uh, cause for debate, but... Um, when it suddenly becomes sort of folk horror having been a sort of movie about hitmen um, some of the way through I think that's quite interesting so it's um, hmm. it's bringing that in with another genre I thought wasn't it but it's a good genre bounder mm. yeah Richard what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I, I love this movie it's, uh, it's a strong contender for my favourite Ben Wheatley movie uh, he's done a lot of movies I think I love all his movies but this could be my favourite kind of like um, Wicker Man it's the dread to movie builds up uh, tension mm-hmm. and like something like you're waiting for something to happen you know it's gonna happen but you know they what uh, I just even even after knowing you know how it ends it's it still also I think well it sets uh, you on edge from the start doesn't it Cause it the very does first, yeah. very first bit well the first bit is that that scratchy noise we heard on the trailer mm-hmm. and the the rune appearing and then you just launch straight into the middle of a blazing domestic row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, right, I don't know where I am. I, I thought it was going to be like some kind of Rooney, Blair Witchy horror. And now here we are in, in, like, in like Ken Loach land or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sets you on edge from the start, I think. Mm-hmm. Sarah? I have never been a huge fan of this film. And I think it's because there's not enough Rooney weird shit in it. And I just say, yeah, I really don't like all the arguing, which I know is the point, but yeah, I find it really hard to sit through. No, I mean, I wasn't keen on the film the first time I saw it, but it was when it all goes horror at the end, I was disappointed because I I felt like I'd seen it all before. Like every Mm. time a a British film goes out into the countryside, you know it's going to go a bit Wicker Man. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, the the very, very ending, um, I felt was a complete rip-off of another film that had come out just a bit earlier, which I won't mention because it'll spoil that as much as this. Oh, I, I know which one, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Hunchback thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. the Hunchback bit. Oh, I think that's so good. It's, yeah, such a shock. What I, really, what I really didn't like about the ending of Kill List on rewatch is that it's, like, precisely foreshadowed really early on, and it really annoyed me. <laughs> What, like, the, the hunchback bit? Mm-hmm, yeah, that bit right at yeah. the beginning of the film. I was like, well, fuck you for putting that in because like, that's just there because you know I've seen the film before and now I'm going to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I see what you did and I don't like it. 
I was furious. I was like, but no, it doesn't get make out. any sense if that's not there because you don't. Why? Why would um, none of it makes any sense uh, anyway? Why yeah. would that situation be happening at the end if if it wasn't well, something I, that was happening normally? Why would anyway? it be happening anyway, though? Because playing. I think I I'd like know. it more if there was more explanation as to why the cultist people were had yeah. chosen this guy um, as their chosen one yes. to kill everybody. Well, yeah. to kill, I mean, to kill it's, it's, particular people, and I, also, what it, it's not like sort of Samurai where they're going to say, "Well, you know, yes, this is horrific, but it's going to bring our crops back because the Lord yeah. Lord Samurai told us to." This is just kind of, it's. It, I mean, I can understand it's deliberately ambiguous in a way that a lot of um, yeah. Ben Wheatley stuff is, but it would have been nice if there was just something a little bit extra. I suppose that in some ways it's it's quite interesting that they didn't have any exposition they didn't have any of the people when they're on mask going aha we knew it was you from the start because that would have been quite mm. cheesy but yeah, yeah, just yeah. something a little bit more indicating the point would i think would have been I, would have helped i i, I agree yeah. yeah too many questions mm. oh, throughout throughout the film there's a lot of kind of jump cuts there's scenes that seem to be missing so mm-hmm. you know jay and gal go from one it's difficult because it evokes the wicker man so much and the wicker man is so careful and there are mm-hmm. so many things that are answered like the more you watch it the more answers you get with the wicker man and i feel kill this by evoking that kind of makes me feel like i want more answers that i get from it mm. and i think also it does feel like quite a careful coherent film for the most part like all the hitman stuff is really well written the dialogue's really good, the acting's really good, it plays like a straight film, and then literally in the last ten minutes just goes, ha ha! And I feel like that that's unsatisfying. I, I've watched it twice now, yeah, it's, the same reaction both times. It's sort of like, rather than being like a jigsaw puzzle that you put together at the end, it's like Ben Wheatley's got about five different jigsaw puzzles and sort of put some of each and gone, there you go, make your own picture. And you're like, mm, yeah. thanks, but I kind of wanted you to tell me a story. That is exactly how I felt about it on the first watch, but whenever I've seen it since, I absolutely love it. It's... I think it's, it's got a lot going for it, definitely, mm. but I, I feel ultimately unsatisfied by it. But you're watching it and you're like, oh, he wants to name the uh, their pet like either Arthur or Gwynny, and you're like, oh, oh, Arthurian legend, there's going to be something about that, and then it's like, well, there isn't really, but you just gave me a clue for no reason. There's, there's like, so much um, like occult like stuff that is referenced yeah. from, from all sorts of different mythologies and demonologies and mm-hmm. uh, different ideas and I, I don't think it's ever clear what he's ultimately going for whereas I think the Wicker Man is, is very clued up on its occultism and I think you understand it by the end whereas this it's kind of mm. like well, what is this? And Why it's are they like doing annoying locked box of whatever happened to them in Kiev which is obviously vital to why they choose Jay is whatever he did in Kiev that's this mm. big mystery that they never tell you I just it, it doesn't I don't I mean I feel like it's the point is that it's deliberately ambiguous but I just find it really frustrating and like almost smug like the film's going haha we've got answers but you can't yeah, we're not going to tell you yeah I kind of I kind of actually the Kiev one is one of the few that I quite like just because I think your imagination can probably come up with worse than mm, you know possibly what what actually happened. I think there is that one line as well where they, they go to kill the priest and uh, Gal says, well, at least it's not a toddler. Yeah. And I, I thought maybe mm. the implication was that was a reference to whatever they did in Kiev that was horrible. And that, and that that's probably all, all I needed for that was that kind of like, Ooh, okay, so that's something awful. Um, well, I was it, going to ask if you had any theories about um, so what it's about, but evidently you think that there isn't a kind of proper explanation but uh, listening to the um, commentary with Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump, they say that there's 
in the final scene, there was a bit of explanatory dialogue that kind of ties everything mm. together, but it was so clunky and bad that they cut. Oh, that scene. okay, oh. right. Did, we, did they say what it was? No. Mm. Annoyingly, they didn't. Because it's obviously about getting Jay to like rid himself all of, uh, of all his humanity, so he has to kill his best friend, he has to kill his wife, he has to kill his child. But mm. like, for why? Is he now the Antichrist? Is he now? What is he? What's the point? Why do they want to make him into this? And the other people that were killed were 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 really awful people, mm. and yeah, they knew yeah. that he would then get angry enough to track down the guy that was making the snuff movies. And yeah, but then that doesn't well. really seem to be relevant to anything because, like, why but, did they want no. him dead? We don't know. Yeah, it's just and that, yeah. that's exactly just... what's so frustrating about this film is you feel it's got a a trail. You feel like there's mm. a reason for everything, but it's just impossible to work it out. And I've not mm-hmm. found any theory that does and I, and I find that unsatisfying rather than like ooh it's pleasing me ambiguous. yeah because mm. I, I feel know. like I could watch the film another 16 times and I would be no further on like it's I just think it's it's just not there he's just going right now mm. make it up for yourself yeah I don't know yeah, yeah so uh, I, I don't mind that but I <laughs> I totally see where you're, where you're coming from and I do have a lot of questions like uh, which I don't need answered but it would be nice to have them answered like all mm. the victims, they obviously, you know, they smile and say thank you, they know. Yeah. How, I, I'd, I'd why, love to know what. Yeah, what, what is, is it? Is it, is it Are just they in on horror it? writing? So well, you would say. Is it just yeah. horror writing just to do something unsettling without any actual mm. thinking about what. Uh, I think the implication's meant to be that they're cult members and that, like, being killed by Jay, who is their chosen yeah. one, is like. Yeah. some kind of honour. But So did they actually do the bad things that they supposedly did? We don't know or care. I seem so. They're all bad guys, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. When they go to the librarian's wank den, um, yeah. and they watch the video, yeah, whatever yeah. on that, yeah. that seems like something pretty horrible going on. Mm. Um, and mm. then his death. Shout out for his death scene. Fucking hell. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it slowly. I couldn't figure out if um, when you see uh, Jay put the librarian's head down on the table, just yeah. smashes it in. Mm. There's a cut. That was. Yeah, is, I couldn't yeah. figure out if there was the actor or just really good dummy. Mm. But that's um, obviously where the where the where the switch is, isn't it? Are we spoiling the ending? Like, can we talk about the very end? I think uh, we've, all, we've already possibly spoiled it. So we've alluded yeah, to it. Know. Yeah, I think we have. Well, if if you if you if you're not spoiled well, already, we're about to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> God. Because I have a question about his wife. Was she in on it? Ben Wheatley has specifically said no, she isn't. Oh. Okay. Right. So why is she laughing? Yeah. Um, just because of the horribleness of the situation, she can't believe she's found herself in. Mm. This is literally. I read an interview with him where he says this. It's just that okay. she's just kind of in shock and horror. That's kind of what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Also, mm. when she has the mask yeah. and she's like trying to get him with a knife, mm. does she see who he is? And she's trying. I don't. Know. No. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But yeah. I, I feel like if the whole film had been more abstract and a bit stranger I, I would have accepted having a lot of questions more but I just hated how carefully structured it felt for the whole thing and, and then it just kind of abandoned that at the end I, I, I think that's my, my biggest problem with it is just it wasn't strange enough for the whole thing to, to, to get away with that strange ending it just felt too breakneck a tonal shift for me of course, it's not all strange. Some of it's very, very realistic. I mean, the scene yeah. where um, yeah. Jay 
storms off into the garage during the dinner. That is exactly what my stepdad did every Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that feels, it feels really real. All the does, domestic yeah. stuff just feels very believable. And, and, that, and that's, again, why it's just that frustration of, oh, and then you've just gone strange. And I, I don't know. It's, it's a shame because there's so much good stuff in that film and it just leaves me feeling so frustrated which maybe Ben Wheatley would enjoy hearing, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's what he wants. How yeah. high did you guys turn up the volume before you realised that no amount of volume is going to make the dialogue audible? Oh, I we had to put on subtitles. subtitles. I put on, on. subtitles. <laughs> really? I mean, it's yeah. so quiet. I don't know why the sound mix is like that. But again, I suppose, just to keep you on edge, I suppose. Mm. It can be a bit annoying, but no, I, I, I love that film. Yeah, so do I. Big fan. Given that it's Neil Maskell and Michael Smiley, I'm surprised they only say cunt twice in the whole whole time. (laughs) Maybe all the deleted scenes are just them saying cunt. (laughs) Maybe that was the clunky dialogue at the end. They just say... Yeah, it was just... (laughs) Cunty dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, let's get out of the woods. And for the last time this year, play Scary Noises. Fingers on bells and buzzers, and here's your first pair of scary noises. What do you What do you mean? I'm gonna bleed a kid. Can we just stick a tampon in or something? Oh, oh my god! We need to call an ambulance, guys. I need an ambulance. Richard, what you got? Uh, dialogue is the babysitter. It is. Did you get music? Nope. No, but I'll just guess. Um, feel in England. No. So uh, CJ and Sarah, the music. What do you What do you mean? I'm gonna bleed a kid. Can we just stick a tampon in or something? Oh, oh, oh my god! We need to call an ambulance, guys. I need an ambulance. I don't want to lose my boob. I can't do that. What? Why not? Because your boob was shot by a now dead cop. Have fun explaining that. No, I just gonna motorboat these. Be. I like that movie. I did not. <laughs> um, it must be some kind of like proper. It, serious is it folk not horror thing. the really annoying one? I don't is know. It, <laughs> is it Blood on Satan's Floor? No, it's the, devil's, the Devil Rides Out. Um, <sighs> good music, really good music. Shame about the film. Okay, number two. Who's trying to disconnect a meteorite? Emily. That was Blood on Satan's Floor was the music. No. Oh, shit. Oh, what? Oh, I thought it was. Like it. Do you want to take a guess on the dialogue anyway? Uh, no, no idea. So, CJ and Sarah, the whole thing for you. Who's trying to disconnect the media rejector? Disconnect the media rejector? I don't understand. I can assure you I don't understand it either. Wes, you knew what you were doing. Yes, I knew. I was fully aware. All the time. What? I couldn't help myself. No? Is this, like uh, reanimator I, or something? Nope. No. No, and uh, I get go on. Guess on the music, maybe. Is it the Wicker Man? Nope. I uh, think the so. Music was a field in England. Uh, oh, okay. So silly. And the dialogue was from uh, Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Quite obscure. Number three. Okay, Joby, you want your usual? Yeah, strawberry shake. That's when I saw Malachi and the others. I guess their meeting with Isaac was over. 
Is the dialogue um, Children of the Corn? Yes. Oh, nice. Did well you done. get the music, Emily or Richard? Uh, sounds Italian. Sounds 70s or 80s, but I don't know what it is. Okay, so the music for CJ and Sarah. Okay, Jody, you want your usual? Yeah, strawberry shake. That's when I saw Malachi and the others. I guess their meeting with Isaac was over. They were acting real creepy. There you go, Jimmy. Oh, thanks. No? I'm not sure. I, I'm going to kick myself on this because it, it sounds exactly like the kind of thing that I enjoy. Um, I'm going to go, unless Sarah's got anything. I've got nothing. I'm going to go with Full Moon High. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is one of my all-time favourites, The Visitor. Um... Great music. After three, that's two nils to Richard and Emily. Here's yeah. the fourth pair. About 40 years ago, the internet started to slow down in our house. I spoke to a guy I knew at work who said, maybe my browser's... Yes, Emily. Is that um, Blood on Satan's Claw, the music? Yeah. Did you get the dialogue? No. I think I, what happens is I get so excited that I've got the music, I actually, yeah. my, my ears tune out the dialogue. <laughs> I heard yeah. I heard browser, so... Was... Yeah, mm-hmm. internet. Just guess one. I'm friended. No. Uh, CJ and Sarah, dialogue to get. About 40 years ago, the internet started to slow down in our house. I spoke to a guy I knew at work who said, maybe... My browser's history was full. I went home. I opened up the internet. No? It I sounds really like the scariest, scariest film ever. Like, the browser's history's full, the internet stops. Wow. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> you know what? It's bizarre. We mentioned it earlier. Creep. Uh, Forgotten all about that movie. All right, three nil now, Richard and Emily. Here's the fifth pair. My seven-year-old child was murdered by idiots. Uh, Yes, Richard. Uh, Music is Friday Thirteenth, Part Three. Yes. Um, Wow. Wow. I did not hear any of the dialogue, but I'm gonna guess um, Wicker Tree. Wicker Tree. No. Yeah. Um, CJ and Sarah, what dialogue is uh, being soundtracked by the excellent Friday Thirteenth Part Three music? (laughs) My seven-year-old child was murdered by idiots doing a ritual. You lied to me, you fucking stupid cow. Oh, it's a dark song. I don't need you to be virtuous, I need you to be driven! You idiot! You're doing this for me! You're the focus! You're the conduit! Yeah, a dark song. (laughs) Um, Steve Oram there, kicking off. Right, it's now uh, with one pair to go. 4-1 to Richard and Emily. So oh dear, so if we get all level, of these, we could draw could at least yeah. not have a humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm going to say this is a very, very easy pair. Oh no. Here we go. You see, you were just the man we needed. And we were determined to get... Richard. I think it's Wicked Man remake. Dialogue. It is? Yeah. Yeah. The music? Uh, full Moon High. No, it's not fucking Full Moon High. <laughs> one day, one day it's going to be Full Moon High and we're going to get a point. CJ Sarah, I mean, you must know this music. 
You see, you were just the man we needed, and we were determined to get you here. Notice, Sir Knight, how we led you to believe that your daughter would be sacrificed due to the failure of the crops last year. But they did fail. I saw the photo. Yes, they yes, failed, they all right. Disastrously yes. so. I, I'm potentially setting myself up for embarrassment here if I'm wrong, but it's the Wicker Man, isn't it? No, it's not it, the Wicker it, Man. I, fuck. <laughs> I realise we're looking for the music, I, yeah? I know that there's one like really boring orchestral thing on the soundtrack that I always skip, so whenever I heard something that was orchestral, I was like, it must be the Wicker Man one that I don't listen to. Cape Fear. I... Oh, Cape Fear. Cape oh, Fear. Right, okay. I've not watched Cape Fear since like 1992. Oh, God. God. No. Uh, right, well, that is um, Scary Noises. <laughs> Score was 5 1 to Richard and Emily. <laughs> Well, that's about it for 2017. Let's just quickly uh, round up our highs and lows of the year. Uh, CJ, you start your high and your low of this year's oh, releases. Go on, man. I've mentioned both of them before on this very podcast. Uh, but Just to be high... expected, really. Well, yeah. The high for the year, I would say, was Death Note. I absolutely love that. I know that's a controversial choice. Not everybody enjoyed yeah, it, especially brilliant. not fans of the Japanese original, which I haven't seen, but I loved it. Death Note. I thought it was amazing. Just filled me with such joy. Uh, yeah. So that's my high. Uh, my low of the year was Hounds of Love, which uh, I'd say that there was a lot of competition for the low. I definitely saw a lot of very bad films, but Hounds of Love was a different level of bad for me. I really, really hated that. Yeah, I was disappointed. I thought it was going to be better, but it's good. I, I liked it enough. <sighs> Um, I'm going to go for my high is definitely one of your contenders for a low, which is Mother. Ugh, yeah, that was like number three on my list of lows. <laughs> I cannot wait for that uh, UHD Dolby Atmos Blu-ray to fall onto my uh, through the letterbox because I can't wait to see that again. Oh, I can't wait um, to see and it. My... I seen it yet. No, I yeah. haven't either. I really want to. It's dreadful. dreadful. And my low is Leatherface. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> that bad? Nice. It's a nice film, Leatherface. They tried. Uh, Emily? Um, well, my high is probably Get Out. I've not, I've not been very good with new releases this year, but I do think that's a very, very strong film. Um, Brilliant. And Lowe's, a dodgy Netflix alleged horror comedy called Little Evil. Oh, yeah, so bad. It's awful, so isn't it? Bad. It's like a, they're trying to do like a sort of an American sitcom crossed with The Omen. Yeah. It's a load of bollocks. It's- it was so like the jokes were so painfully unfunny. I, I just yeah. couldn't imagine anyone looking at that and thinking that that was funny. Go with it. It's just, oh, cringe. Mm. I'm with you on Get Out to an extent. Mm-hmm. I liked it enough when I first saw it, but I thought I'll probably never watch it again. Um, and then because there's so few <laughs> UHD Blu-rays out, uh, <laughs> when I got my player, I thought oh, I'll get Get Out. I mm. won't mind watching that again. Can't wait to watch it a third time now. It's uh, really good. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. good. Yeah. It's I think it was stand up to the rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Richard. Uh, my highlight is uh, a ghost story. Yeah. And my low light is rings, which is just oh, abysmal. Crap. Yeah. So awful. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've talked about both of those in yeah. some detail before, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Sarah. Um, I think I will say Colossal. Hey. Yeah. Which we have talked about before, and which I really, really love. Um, yeah, I need to watch that. And my low light was potentially going to be Rings, but since we've already given that one a shout out for being shit, I'm going to go for Annabelle Creation, which mm. um, I also thought was just utter toss. Yeah. 
transform. Cool. Uh, that's actually a good-looking list. Our highs of the year are Death Note Mother, Get Out, A Ghost Story and Colossal, and our lows are Hounds of Love, Leatherface, Little Evil Rings and Annabelle Creation. That's a nice little round-up of the year, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, before we leave, we have to offer a human sacrifice of our own, which means it's <laughs> time to drop a bombshell. No, not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> Richard has decided to leave the podcast, and this has been his last show. So, yeah, thanks, Richard, for everything over yeah, the last sorry. 12 months. You got any last words? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my last word. No. no, my last words, it's been a lot of fun, but also a little bit nerve-wracking at times. And sometimes stressful when I feel I have to watch a lot of movies and I just, ah, I don't have the time. Like this month, there's so many of these folk horror I, I wanted to watch. I just, I ah, didn't have time. And uh, I feel bad because, you know, I want to watch them, but I wasn't able to mm. and yeah it's been a lot of fun and I'm sorry to leave you guys oh, you will be missed um, right so we have a vacancy if you'd like to apply to be our new fifth devil uh, email dx5podcast at gmail.com and you can also contact us through Facebook, Twitter and Letterboxd and we will have a very happy 2018 if you just tell your friends to listen to our show so thanks for listening, see you in January and happy new year